0: Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, we're talking about dating, why it can be difficult at times to muster up enough strength to date, how to navigate the world of online dating, or Are our online dating profiles even something that you can trust? And we're going into the lab with my buddy, Nathan, a successful single guy who has a hypothesis, a hypothesis that I hear often in the comfy confines of my office, but that might not be as accepted to those who aren't in the dating world at this time. Sound intriguing? I guarantee that in this episode, You're going to not only learn a little bit more about dating in the modern age, but if you are single, I think you may find Nathan's hypothesis equal parts refreshing and frustrating, all wrapped up into one. So we're going to talk about that and even more coming up on this episode of The Virtual Couch. episode 239 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, author, speaker, husband, father of four, ultramarathon runner, and creator of the new and improved Path Back, an online pornography and compulsive sexual behavior recovery program that is helping people live better lives, just straight up. And that is what helps them no longer need to turn to pornography as a coping mechanism when they don't feel as connected areas in their lives. So, and I'm doing weekly group calls as part of the new upgraded Path Back. And I had one last night and they they are so much fun. They are turning into something that I always dreamed of. We talked about everything from, from goal setting to, to filters help on your computer to how to talk to your teens about sex. I mean, I love these group calls. So if you want to know more, go to pathbackrecovery.com and you will still find a, a short ebook that describes five myths that people often fall prey to when trying to put pornography behind them once and for all. And then part of, again, the new Path Back program uh, are these weekly group calls. And and I absolutely love them. They are becoming just this source of strength for a lot of people, a big a big group of people that are tuning into them every week. And I am uh, working hard on getting right to the content of the episodes of these podcasts. So please just take a minute, go to tonyoverbay.com, sign up to find out more about my Magnetic Marriage course that is coming soon. Take my free parenting course and visit Virtual Couch on Instagram and all that good stuff. So let's get to today's episode. This one does need a little bit of an intro because my buddy Nathan and I initially recorded this episode in late February of 2020. So, I mean, 10 months ago. And within a week or two, the the world shut down. And talking about dating was just about the last thing that anybody wanted to talk about. So we have sat on this episode for so long And it reminded me of a quick story from my software days of prior to heading back to school in my early thirties to get my master's in counseling, which led to my pursuing a career as a therapist, which is the greatest thing I could have ever done. But I digress. I worked for a software company for, I mean, this was many, many years ago. And we made a software program that let you burn or write your own CDs on a Macintosh computer platform, which sounds so just simplistic now, where even to the point where, you know, we don't really do a lot on CDs. We're already past it. Everything is is in the cloud, streaming, online. But at that time, it was huge. It was, it was, you know, game-changing kind of things to put things on a CD, your own CD. you would buy blank CDs and you needed software to burn the, the data onto CD. So we had a competitor or two, but we had made this major upgrade. And our software program looked amazing. It had all these features and bells and whistles. And there was a yearly trade show in San Francisco called Macworld San Francisco. And we would go and uh, an exhibit there every year. And so I had our product launch ready, had the press release ready. We had a two-story trade show booth when uh, trade shows were still a big thing. And I was going to be doing dozens of presentations every day on our stage daily. We had all these cool giveaways, you name it. And during the keynote speech of the show, which I was um, at that time, it was given by then CEO Steve Jobs. I, I watched right off stage as he announced all the cool Apple products, which is fun. That still happens with. Um, uh, tim uh, uh, tim cook the apple ceo now and then he talked about apple's free feature-packed software that allowed you to burn your own cds so talk about the wind going out of our sails that that i still remember what a what a trade show that was the constant questions that were asked were um so i'm going to buy your software how does it compare to apple's free product that they build into the operating system so I kind of felt that same way after recording this episode in February that I was all excited. It was funny and fun. And Nathan has a dating hypothesis that he shares during this episode that as I mentioned, the opening is something that I hear in my practice or my office often, but it may not quite sound, I don't know, politically correct, or it may sound like it's the cart before the horse kind of thing. But what I appreciated about Nathan's hypothesis is that people are going to have the thoughts and feelings and emotions that they do because they're the only version of them going through this life. They are human. So if somebody tells them, or if I hear somebody say, I know this might sound crazy, but here's what I really think would motivate me to really want to date or to put myself out there. But everything that you read says that you shouldn't be thinking that, or you just need to think this other thing. Well, that's where the gold is to be worked with. And that was what we recorded back in February. You know, tell somebody who's thinking what they believe would uh, help them feel motivated to date to not think that, that what they think would help them Will help them tell them well, no, no, that wouldn't work. What, what do you think? You, you don't, you don't know that that would really work. And then telling them to think something else instead. Well, that person doesn't just magically the person that just put out this uh, this emotional bid of sorts of saying, "Hey, I'm the single person in this situation who has all my life experiences, and I feel, really feel like you know this is what might help me." Tell that person, well, I don't think it would help you, and just think this other thing that I think would help you instead, based on my own experiences. That doesn't cause the person that just put out their their emotional bid their you know, here's what I think would help me in the dating world to go, oh, okay, I'll just stop thinking the thing that I'm thinking and that I've thought about for a long period of time that I finally put words to and finally felt vulnerable enough to share. I'll stop thinking that uh, because of all of my personal experiences and just instantly and immediately adopt your belief, Mr. or Mrs. Person who isn't me. So uh, I know that was a tangent for sure. But I think with that scaffolding, you may really appreciate what Nathan shares, especially you if you're in the dating world. And, and if you know somebody that's single and maybe frustrated with the world of dating, send them this episode. It's light. It's funny. We tackle a lot of fun data about online dating. And then Nathan, gets real. And in the end, I say something about um, that I will insert where to get a hold of Nathan. But I'm just going to do that right now up front. If you have thoughts about his hypothesis, if you want to ask him questions, et cetera, then just, just email me at contact at TonyOverbay.com. Or just go through my website, tonyoverbay.com, fill out the contact form, and I will make sure that Nathan gets your emails. Okay, let's get to my episode with my buddy, Nathan. buddy nathan in here nathan is in the world of online dating right now is that a safe thing to say yeah so i've started to look at some data and so i just really i wanted the beginning of this interview to just go over some of the data and we we may make a joke or two but it is with all respect because you're in there you're in the trenches doing this yeah which by the way what what is
1: it like are you nervous about online dating are you excited about online dating what's your attitude been in general i wouldn't say that i'm nervous about it Um, I think more than anything, it's a attraction thing at the moment, Uh meaning the people that I'm finding are attracted to me aren't necessarily women that I'm attracted to. Okay. And so I'm navigating that.
0: Okay, we're going to get there. We've got some, and Nathan has a very interesting hypothesis, and that is part of what I want us to get to. We're going to stay tuned. So people are gonna have to don't fast forward we're gonna we're gonna get there. do you feel like it's inevitable at this point? I have been doing this for long enough as a therapist. I remember when online dating was relatively new, but do you feel like it is something that you have to tackle in a sense?
1: I don't think it's something that I have to tackle for me. I look at how I'm going to meet people. Yeah. And I work for a small company. So meeting women where I work, not that I would date people that I work with. That's one thing. I'm a consultant. I wouldn't date a client or employees of a client. So that's out. The activities that I used to do as far as playing softball or soccer, I haven't done that in a while. So meeting women through that isn't working, right? If I'm not doing it, it's not going to work. And so for me, online dating, as far as finding someone who's compatible with me finding somebody whose interests are the same yeah uh, that's more what online dating means for me I probably wouldn't be as invested in online dating if I had other outlets of meeting
0: women sure and then but so that to say that then you're not opposed to if you organically walk into a supermarket and there's a woman and you guys meet lock eyes and Yeah, I'd be
1: completely open to
0: that. Okay, all right. Or friends setting you up. Have friends
1: been trying to set you up? I have friends that do set me up. Okay, and do you typically shy away from that? No, because my friends know me really well. And they know what kind of person I'm looking for. Yeah. And they're also looking out for my best interests as well. It's not like they're just trying to throw You don't anything. throw yeah. a woman in that isn't going to be compatible. But like, oh, watch this. Watch yeah, what Nathan yeah, does when yeah, we exactly, set him up with exactly. this girl. Right? So, yes, yeah. yeah, so I do have friends that will tell me about somebody who might be interested and possibly go on dates yeah. that way. Okay, so there's one theory
0: in acceptance and commitment therapy, my modality of choice act, that says, it's called this confidence gap. That's when I get the confidence, then I will do whatever the activity is. But it's saying, oh, no, to get the confidence, you have to do the activity. But that doesn't quite equate to what you're going through right now
1: yeah right? i wouldn't say that i lack the confidence yeah. i'm just not where i want to be physically mm-hmm. uh, as far as in the shape that i want to be in but it doesn't impact my confidence enough to keep me from going up to a woman and asking her out
0: yeah so so i wanted to go over there's uh there's an article from e and i wanted nathan's opinion on some of these things so this is a one of those good old 10 online dating statistics that you should know so you should know these. Yes, are you, are you ready you should. Yeah. Okay. Now, the first one, 40% of Americans use online dating. Do you feel like that number is
1: high or low? I think it depends on the generation. True. Okay. Because I think uh, younger generation, the swipe left, swipe right, generation, I think that tends to be higher. Yeah. But at the same time, people who are adverse to technology probably wouldn't date online. Yeah. Conversations I've had with my dad, my dad (laughs) is completely opposed to online dating and thinks it should just be organic and friends hooking you up with someone that they know going out on double dates. So I can tell you that he definitely would not be an online dater. And I have
0: had some clients that I've worked with that have maybe been a bit older than myself. And I'm 50, so I'm saying it seems like when they get mid-50s, 60s, and the online dating thing, if it, doesn't, if it isn't easy, make sense, and work right away, then they feel like, well, wow, it's just a bunch of, yeah. it's a hassle. But I, I thought the number was a little bit low. And I wonder if they include in here, like you said, the swipe left, swipe right part. Because this talks about with so many dating websites and apps out there and using online dating, I almost feel like the here I go with my first old man get off my lawn statement. But the, the kids these days, I don't know if they would even consider the swipe culture as online dating.
1: And I would agree because I think it also depends on the type of dating site. Yeah. So there might be a different category for people who use Tinder mm-hmm. versus people who are using eHarmony or Match.com or something for a long-term relationship. Yeah.
0: There will be people listening to this that aren't, they're married, they they haven't been divorced, they haven't, I mean, or, or whatever it is. I just have to tell, you're, you're so right with that. But I have to tell you, I had a client at one point that he met a girl on Tinder and then she just seemed very, very forward and aggressive to him. And he was like, man, what's the deal? And then she finally said, do you know what the majority of people are on Tinder for? And then she told him, and then he realized that, okay, he didn't really realize that. So yeah. that's for people that really want to get to know each other very quickly. Is yes. that a nice way to say yeah, that? That's a nice way to say that. Okay. Um, he was not aware of that. And even then, when people tell me that, I'm like, really? You didn't know that? Okay. So number two, more men use online dating than women. 52% to 47%. I don't know. Any thoughts there?
1: not necessarily yeah yeah yeah.
0: i think that one's one we can agree okay age can impact finding a match number three for women online dating statistics show that a woman's desirability often peaks at 21 but at 26 women have more online pursuers than men whereas we were talking about this this might be a time to fudge your age right (laughs) Uh, at 48 men have twice as many online pursuers as women So you're in this middle ground, right?
1: Yes. And I I think it may just have to be as far as men who are 48, established careers, overall stability, and established success. I think that makes a difference. Not everybody has that by the time they're in their 30s, depending on where they're at. Another funny
0: fact that comes to my mind, I worked with someone a long time ago that they were transitioning into a retirement home and had said that the number of women to men in the retirement home, it was something like seven or eight to one. So for every guy there, he was heavily pursued. So 48, I think it says for this online dating, but man, get a guy in a retirement home and it's the field is white and ready to be harvested. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, Number four. Okay. This one we were laughing about earlier. 53% of people lie on their online dating profile. What was the joke I said? And 47% are not being honest. Yeah. (laughs) Right? 53%. Nathan. Well, says 53% of people lie. Yeah, 53% of people lie on their online dating profile. So
1: then only 47% are being honest.
0: Yes. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Okay. And and this is even better. 20% of women surveyed by a global research agency, Opinion Matters, admitted to using an older photo from when they were younger and thinner. More than 40% of men said they lied about their jobs in an effort to sound more successful. I hear these stories all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You were honest. You're
1: honest on your online dating profile, Yeah. I'm, true. Yes, I'm honest, uh, yeah. open about it. That, that's, for me, it's part of that whole transparency. Yeah. I, I'm looking for somebody who I can connect with, and so there isn't a point for me to lie because then I'm going to connect with somebody who... We're already starting off on the wrong foot from a a communication compatibility standpoint. And that's I'm looking for that right now or looking for that in a long term relationship. And I I think that it's so funny, too. And I don't uh, of course, I'm not
0: I'm not a big fan of shaming others. But people listening to this, if they lie on their online profile, if you're feeling shame, I apologize, because I feel like I have heard a lot of times when people say. Okay, but once they get to know me, yeah. then they'll be then they'll want to overlook the fact that I I don't have a job or that yeah. I maybe that photo is a little bit old. Yeah, and it's not a good way to start out. No, no. Yeah, we want the honesty. And they say number no, number one things they lie about height and weight. I understand job and income. I understand lying about the, their age. I think that one's kind of. I think that one come back to bite you.
1: Yeah, and I'm surprised height isn't on there.
0: It is height and weight. Oh, height and weight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I could not find, there was something I had looked at a couple of years ago when I did an episode on this with uh, with uh, Caitlin Markham, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It was fat because it was younger, the younger kids these days in dating. And I did find some stuff there that talked about how much people fudge the,
1: the height in particular. Yeah. Yeah. But then when you meet the person. Well, that's, and that's what I thought. I'm 5'8", and so I make jokes about being 5'9", or uh, <clears throat> there's an inside joke between my friend Mike and I about my... Telling women that I'm five nine, but that's one of the things is if I were to meet a woman who was five nine, yeah, if we're not the same height, it's obvious that I lied. Yeah, you know, if she's an inch taller than I am, yeah, right then clearly I've lied, and that's right out the gate. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I just put 5'8". It was just funny because I've
0: known you for a while and I'm like, I think you're taller than me and I like to say that I'm 5'8". So my maybe I need to re, you know, reevaluate this whole thing.
1: <laughs> or maybe I am 5'9". Maybe you and are. Just, eight, and I'm
0: just being right? conservative about yeah, my height. Yeah. So yeah. I say 5'8". What's the worst is when I used to say, I'm like 5'7 and a half. When oh. you got to throw the halves yeah. in there, yeah, yeah. that uh, doesn't work. Number five, 22% of online daters ask friends to help create their profile. 30% of female users have asked a friend for help. 16% of male users have asked a friend for help. I found that number to be, I think, low.
1: Or uh, no? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I've asked for help. Yeah. So for me, what's interesting is I would consider myself humble. Uh-huh. You're really good at being humble. Yes, thank you. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> of my
0: favorite jokes of all time. He is. I know Nathan. He's very, he is very humble. Yes.
1: But when you put together a dating profile, yes. the whole point is to essentially brag about yourself to attract women or if you're a woman to attract men or others. Yes. And so there have been times where I have reached out to a friend and said, Hey, this website's asking me for the five top qualities I have. What would you say as being (laughs) one of my best friends are my top five qualities and having him text me like, here are the five that I think, and then I'll put those instead. So maybe not having my friend Put the profile together for me. Yeah. But when I hit certain questions, I'll ask for their help. And then I'll also preface it with My friend says that these are the five. Yes. That way, it doesn't sound like I'm bragging. Oh, yeah, here are the five. Don't tell me I'm too smart. (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever.
0: (laughs) That one. Whenever I have to speak, and I'm speaking twice this next week, and they ask for a bio, and I used to just send them this whole bio, and I'm like, hey, you can just edit out whatever, not knowing that no one is going to even read it until the moment you're standing there. Yeah. And then they go on for like two or three paragraphs. When Tony was young, he <laughs> loved helping small children up. It's like, okay, I'm doing no more of that. Yeah. This just got to be brief. It is rough. A location matters. Number six, when you live, okay, where you live will impact your online dating experience simply because certain locations have more active users. 50% of New York State residents are single. Wow. And the city has the most users on eHarmony. On the contrast, there are a lower number of users in Idaho where 60% of the population is married. So have you found any correlation to
1: that or where people there is more activity outside of where you live? Yes, I would say so. Um, Roseville is not necessarily a major metropolitan area. Uh So Sacramento, the Bay Area, Los Angeles, as far as putting in California as my state, Uh saying I live in Roseville, I tend to find a lot more connections with people who are in the Bay Area or are in L.A. or Southern California. What's your thoughts on those long distance relationships at this point? I think it depends. Yeah. I was in a long distance relationship with somebody who lived in Florida Uh with today's technology. I think it's a lot easier as far as being able to FaceTime each other and have that kind of set routine. It does make it a little more difficult to have date nights Mm -hmm. per se, but I think as long as you have the communication just it's that level of levels of intimacy as long as you start with communication and then you're still seeing each other. I would say often enough that could vary depending on the couple, but I wouldn't say that it's a deal breaker. Yeah. uh, As long as I think at least one person's willing to travel occasionally to keep the momentum going in the relationship. And you travel quite a bit for your work. So that has never been too difficult, right? That hasn't been too difficult.
0: I I used to have a pretty uh, strong theory of it, especially before it was the swipe culture and that people were doing the online dating where, they were communicating primarily through email. And I did feel like a lot of people got to know each other so well, securing that verbal intimacy, even moving up into that emotional intimacy. So by the time they met each other and they, it's not that they had never seen pictures, because right. we'll talk about that, too. But so there was an attraction there. But I feel like that relationship was pretty intact by the time they actually met. So then when they met, it was, a, it was almost like an afterthought. So, no, I, I like that. A seven, female users aren't just looking for hookups. If you're worried about joining online dating sites... That it sends a message that you're just looking for sex. It doesn't. Only 33% of women who use online dating websites say they have sex uh, on their first online dating encounter, and 60% of female Tinder users say that they're looking for a match, not just a hookup. And the online dating that you've done, you've been—I know you've told me you're pretty respectful in your profile about saying that. Yeah, that's not what I want. Right? Yep. Okay. Does, does that
1: seem? Have you received good feedback from people from that? Yeah, I would say I've received good feedback, but more because I—I I put it in the context of. <clears throat> and what I find amusing is when people say you have to test drive it before mm-hmm. you buy it. Mm-hmm. But we don't live in a test drive before you buy it society. It's more of a I'm going to rent it until I decide I don't want it anymore. Oh, that's deep. And so for me, it's that I would say I'm my viewpoint is a little bit different than today's society or culture. So for me, I've decided that I'm going to wait until I get married, not yeah. – not that I haven't been physically intimate with somebody, but after my last relationship, I just got to a point where I realized that the physical intimacy part was something that we relied heavily on. Yeah. And that's not what I want in my next relationship. Yeah. And so I am open about that on my profile as far as letting women know that I'm basically I am waiting yeah. not basically I am, I am waiting and not uh, not a I'm willing to wait or yeah I'm, not an I'm willing to wait but this is something that's important to yeah. me is I want to make sure that the physical intimacy is the last part yeah the, the byproduct yeah it's the byproduct yeah so I love that
0: I love that you yeah you've embraced that those levels of intimacy and that's what I think people have connected with uh, whenever I talk about that on a podcast it's people saying I want that especially when I feel like especially a lot of the women I work with that really want that because and now I'm gonna gender stereotype like crazy, but what I find often is that and again we typically meet each other because we're attractive. I'm not blaming anyone for that. And then we realize that some of those lower levels of intimacy aren't there. And so then it's panic and like you say, then we go back to the physical as almost like the the what the foundation of the relationship and and that's what I think is a big challenge. Uh, Okay, number eight, 20% of committed relationships began online current
1: stats. I just I feel like it's even more these days, but maybe not. So I don't know. Again, I think it might depend on the generation. True. I, I let me rephrase that it. it might be twenty eight percent overall. But I think if you were to look at generationally the makeup of how many people meet online versus how many people don't meet online. And I think it also falls into, like I said before, the in my lifestyle I don't necessarily have situations where I can meet somebody unless it's a random encounter like at the grocery store. And so for me, online dating is a easier way to meet people. Uh, And I also like the ability to check compatibility prior to asking somebody out, going out on a date and getting to know somebody. But I think those numbers might be different depending on what stage people are at in life. Yeah. And what their opportunities are to actually meet people on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, that's true. So it does swing if that's the average that you're right. Probably depending on the age or the situation,
0: there's going to be one that's the that online's much higher. Yeah. Okay, this one, we, we were laughing a little bit at uh, the beginning. Number nine, 48% of online relationships in through email or 48%. If you meet someone online, chances are you'll break up online. Uh, While this might be seen as rude, those who are socially awkward or fear confrontation will find it convenient. At least there won't be a painful breakup. So it makes sense, though, I guess, right?
1: I I think it makes sense. Just not that I agree with it. Right. I think it just makes sense from the viewpoint of the relationship started online. Yeah. So it ending online versus in person. It comes full circle.
0: Yes. I just have to throw my – I do find it interesting in therapy when I'm talking to clients – I, and I've done this bit on several podcasts where somebody says, and then he said to me, I can't believe you said that. And then, and then I'll say, and then what did you say? And they're like, let me pull out my phone and I'll tell you. And so it's like, oh, wait, you weren't actually talking. <laughs> like That's synonymous. The texting is with talking. Yeah. And I've had sessions where we've literally just gone through text, which is fine. Yeah. So are you one who likes to communicate more in, on the phone or through text or email or? I
1: prefer to communicate in person because uh-huh. I think body language is important. Yeah. I would say I communicate effectively, but a lot of that has to do with reading somebody's body language and making sure that what I'm saying is being heard. Yeah. and Yes. So when you – especially when you don't know somebody, going over text or instant message or email can often be misread. It's so much so. Right? And so I prefer that interaction of – the in-person interaction – at least until someone knows me well enough that they can understand my humor over yes. text or email or instant message. Because there have been people that I've worked with for years and they're just now getting my humor. <laughs> like sometimes they'll read an email and be like, Why were you so, re-? not so rude, but man, that came off pretty rude. And I'm like, No, 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 it was funny. Didn't get, You got to read it like this yeah. and then it's funny. And then after that, then they're like, Oh, okay, oh, okay. I get it now. Are you so, an emoji guy? <laughs> no, I'm not an <laughs> right? emoji that's, guy. I've been learning, that's even a generation. Thing and not
0: even younger kids now are not emoji. I feel like there was a sweet spot of emojis, yeah,
1: and then old people that try to act like they're younger. Yes, right. Yeah, I think for me it depends on my type of communication. I tend to be more professional, Uh even in personal communication. So when I text my family members, I I might throw in an LOL or haha, but I don't throw in emojis. I was gonna say you and I we've texted plenty over the you know
0: years and stuff. If I went through, I don't think we've ever really no. I don't think so. There might be an LOL. There might be some ha -ha (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have to do that later. There are no emojis. I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah. I think there are no (laughs) emojis. Um, Last one, common interests and looks. This is going to transition us into part two of our conversation. Common interests and looks are the most important factors. Uh, When it comes down to it, 64% of people who use online dating sites are looking for someone they have something in common with, and 49% say that they're looking for someone with physical characteristics they are attracted to. Do we feel that those numbers are accurate.
1: I'm going to say the numbers might be accurate just because eHarmony put the study together. Okay. So they must have gotten these numbers. The numbers are accurate but is the reporting of... When I don't know that the reporting is necessarily accurate. I can pull my therapist card and say, I don't think so. I think, that, <laughs> ah, I think the reason why we're going to transition into part two yes. is because it gets into this difficult conversation, or not necessarily difficult but potentially uncomfortable, where you say Okay, what do you do with people who aren't attracted? Yeah. You know, what about if you're not attracted to them, then what? And I think that might make us seem shallow. Right. But I think if we're being transparent or being honest, there are some people that I'm attracted to and some people that I am not. Yes. And for me, I don't, I wouldn't say it's 49% of people. I'm trying to think how to say this. I agree with the compatibility, stand. Yeah. statistics. Yeah, 64% or whatever. That's, for me, again, one of the reasons why I can appreciate online dating is that compatibility score or match score, whatever it might be. But as far as attraction, I think that number might be a little low. Yeah. And
0: I don't only think so. I would guarantee it and put large sums of money upon it. Although there's no way to quantify that, and I realize that might not be, this is why I was so So excited about people being transparent about it. Yeah, well, I I will always be wrong. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I could not resist. We're about to get to Nathan's hypothesis, so I just wanted to make a quick plea to talk about mental health. As a therapist myself, I recommend that everybody truly give therapy a try because a lot of us are hanging on to things that we would love to process or we want to make sure that we get the most out of our lives and and live a life that is is, uh, full of as little regrets as possible. Or there are people right now that might be feeling a tremendous amount of anxiety or depression thanks to the uncertainty of the world right now. So you owe it to yourself or those around you, your spouse, your kids, your pets, or you To the very less, give therapy a try. So if you're you're worried about finding the right fit, if you're worried about bumping to somebody in the waiting room, if you have any worries or fears, you probably know where I'm going right now. BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch. Go check out what over a million people now have already done before you. Go to BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch. Get the help that you need. There's a broad range of expertise. You are going to be with a, a literal, licensed professional counselor, therapist, who has areas of their own expertise. You can find somebody that, talks about anxiety or depression or OCD or or parenting or just processing any of life's difficulties. So, and if you don't like your therapist, it's really easy to change therapists and you can schedule appointments virtually, Zoom or online or email or text or whatever works for you. It's a good way to just dive into the world of therapy, online therapy. I do Zoom sessions myself. And so I know that that is effective where a few years ago, I wasn't quite sure. And one of that person Right in my office, but now it can be done virtually, it can be done over the web. And if you go to betterhelp.com/slash virtual couch right now, you get 10% off your first month's services. So, again, betterhelp.com/slash virtual couch, what are you waiting for? Go get that help today, you deserve it. Um, and this is why I, and Nathan and I have known each other for a while, we talk about this often. And I just thought, and I've been floating this theory out with Nathan's theory that we're going to talk about with a lot of my single clients. And, and I can, I just did an episode a couple weeks ago on all or nothing and black and white thinking, and I was about to say, all of them say, (laughs) and so not, maybe not everyone, but I kind of feel like everyone I've mentioned this to feels like this is a little bit of a something that they believe or feel, but it is not necessarily politically correct, or doesn't feel like the right thing that they can say of that, that there are certain types of people that people are attracted to. And so Nathan has proposed a little bit of a but a hypothesis, you're the smart one. I'm the therapist like math and science yeah, and things like hypothesis. that. Hypothesis. Hypothesis, okay, yeah. that, that we're going to throw out here a little bit. And we've got a couple of articles talking about why physical attraction matters and when it might not. And, and there's a lot of studies that we found out that exactly. are, uh, speak to this. And then there's a second article that basically says, should you date, quote, out of your league? And again, research reveals several pitfalls and, and an important exception. We're not just throwing darts at a dartboard here. We've got a bunch of research that we're going to go over. But before we get to that, your goal, or maybe, I don't know, how you talk a little bit, you lay this out very well. Goal is that there's evidence that supports that when you get physically fit, that it will change the dynamic of who is attracted to you yes where'd that come from let's talk about that
1: so really what it came from is you asking me what would motivate me <laughs> yeah to go to the gym
0: yeah so nathan has been in incredible shape like washboard abs six-pack shape and all this kind of stuff and not and he's and again i've already identified a good career funny aware very much self-aware so all these things but he was like man i'm having a hard time going to the gym and if i'm not going to the gym and i'm not getting in better shape then i don't feel like dating and i'm like go to the gym and you're like yeah i know Right? Yeah. Yeah. We've had many conversations about that. Yes, we have. And then finally it was like, Nathan, what would it take to get you to go to the gym? Yes. And
1: Nathan says? And so I said ah. it would take, (laughs) what it would take is for someone who I found very attractive to come up to me and say, you're an amazing guy. You have all these qualities that I find attractive, but you're overweight and I look for somebody who's physically fit that would motivate me to go to the gym and get physically fit cuz now i know that there's people who i would find attractive that would date me once i hit that physical fitness or getting in shape goal whatever yeah. that might be the all, the second one would be someone who finds me attractive for all those for all the qualities i have but would say while you're overweight that's not necessarily a deal breaker Mm. because of the qualities that you have that would also motivate me because there wouldn't be pressure for me to go to the gym and so I would go to the gym simply because the pressure wasn't there yeah but it's not a but I want to say you've laid it out so well because you can see people listening
0: you can see why we're almost like treading on this very lightly because I feel like Again, one-on-one clients I'm working with, people that I've thrown this out to, are, there's a lot of similar thoughts about this. Where yes. there are people that say, "Man, I really I want to be more motivated to do more to do things that will make me feel more confident to put myself out there," but there's a lot of, "Is it really worth it?" That's a lot of effort, and, and then anyone from the outside is going to say. Are you can me? This is you. You gotta. You gotta want this. And You have right. All those good motivational speeches.
1: And seeing. And, and we've had that yes. conversation. And it's for me. It's more of a. I've already done this for myself several times. The same way. A couple of times. More than yeah. <clears throat> where I've been fit, injured myself playing soccer, gained weight, got back in the gym, was motivated, lost the weight, got injured again playing soccer, <laughs> gained some weight got in shape again, injured myself playing soccer. <laughs> and so I've reached a place where I'm not motivated by myself anymore. I don't have that intrinsic motivation to just go to the gym yeah. and lose the weight because uh, there's different things that I project will happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, if anybody listens, they would be like, they're probably
1: saying, hey, how about you don't play anymore yeah, soccer? Yeah, how about I just stop playing soccer? <laughs> yeah, right. But I love playing exactly. soccer. Yeah. So what this goes back to is I acknowledge that I don't have the internal motivation to just go to the gym, especially like I used to.
0: And here's where the awareness comes in. You are not even saying – you get it. that It would be great and it would be perfect and I I would love it and all those things. Yes.
1: And I know I feel better when I'm done. (laughs) Right. I know that I feel better when I'm done with a 45-minute or hour session at the gym. I know that. I'm still not motivated to go. The question when asked was, what would motivate you to go to the gym? Mm -hmm. There's kind of parts to it as far as I've been doing this online dating, I've noticed that the people who are attracted to me Mm -hmm. are not necessarily people that I am attracted to. And the women that I'm attracted to aren't responding to me. There is. And I completely understand. But part of me hopes that they would reach the personality portion of the profile to see who I am exactly. first. But I don't th- think that's the culture we're in. The culture we're in is I'm going to look at the photo. If I don't find you attractive, no to the washboard photo, abs, I'm no picture skip. of you with a little dog with a bandana, yes, then yes, I'm nothing, moving on. Nothing there. And so that's where this came from is, okay, well I don't have evidence that tells me when I get fit, I'm going to have the people who I find attractive attracted to me so that's where i'm coming from this Uh, that's where this is coming from okay so if i go to the gym and i get fit will i find more women who i'm attracted to that will find me attractive yeah okay i think
0: you laid that out perfectly i do and and so now let's dig into some of the the data which there's some really good data here so let's start with the first article it's uh why physical attraction matters and when it might not and so I'm going to be reading. I always like to be very clear about that. This is from a Psychology Today article posted the January 5th, 2017. And so it kind of, it talks in general about, you think about the characteristics that are important, sense of humor, intelligence, kindness. I love how they lay this out, understanding, family orientation, all the good looks. And it says, which would you rank as most important in a romantic partner and which is least important to you? And it says, research consistently shows that we rank most or all of these traits as more important than good looks. However, consciously ranking traits as more or less important may not reflect the way we actually make our real-life dating and mating decisions. And there are, how many we got here? One, two, three, four, five studies that, that talk about this alone. The point there being is that we may say that we care more about the uh, family orientation, the kindness, the understanding, the sense of humor and intelligence. And we will repeatedly say that, but then when the act of going and online dating, it tends to go over and over again to looks.
1: Well, I think it's also the way that online dating is done. Yeah. Yes. You see the photo first, right? So you can say that each of these have equal weight, but you don't see everything, meaning mm-hmm. you don't see the intelligence factor, you don't see the compatibility, well, the complete compatibility matrix, you don't see the commonalities, what, what you have in common with, e- with each other. The first thing you notice is the photo. Yes. And so even if they all bear the same weight, you're still looking at the photo first. Yeah. And ultimately making a decision based off of that.
0: Yeah. I think I've, we joked a lot about, and i saying this out loud, maybe this counts as a trademark, but I would love to create a dating app called Potential, which then has all the stuff going on. And then it's like, and the big reveal is the picture after you've already gotten to know all about this person. It says, um, physical attractiveness may serve as a gatekeeper directing us toward partners who are healthy age-appropriate, and able to reproduce. That's from uh, Whedon and Sabini. And when we make real-life dating and mating decisions, research indicates physical appearance dominates. We choose to pursue relationships with those who are attractive to us. So I love that we've got a fair amount of data that backs up this hypothesis, but it's still difficult to talk about because if you just say this, it sounds shallow.
1: I think there's a couple pieces to it. One of the pieces, the fact that someone would tell me... You're overweight, but if you were in good shape, if you were physically fit, then I would date you. Yeah. Now there's this kind of taboo of you can't really tell people they're fat or right. they're overweight. Yeah. I don't have any shame or guilt. It's a descriptor. I am overweight, especially compared to what I've been in the past. Yeah. So for me, I don't take it as an insult. I'm taking it as a motivating factor. And so it doesn't, again, no shame, no guilt. It's more of this evidence, my personal experience. What I'm looking for is the personal experience that provides the evidence that says when I'm physically fit, women that I'm attracted to will also find me attractive. Yeah.
0: And I've already thought of the romantic comedy version of this with Nathan where I've joked with him that if I go... Uh, convince a very beautiful woman to say these things to Nathan and then it gets him motivated but then I thought but then what if she really isn't attracted to him but then the romantic comedy version would be then she would become attracted to you and you guys would live happily ever after yes which that would be good yeah all right more of the data there if you're looking at this this article it is full of nothing but Eastwick in uh, 2011, Eastwick and Finkel, Lu and Zhang, Kurzban and Wheat. There's so much data that does back this up. So I don't want you to, again, think that we're shallow by this. It says it says both gay and straight uh, men, both gay and straight, seem to consciously recognize the importance of physical attractiveness more than women. It says both straight and lesbian. However, and that's, again, research. However, experimental research, as well as evidence from online dating and speed dating, shows that physical attractiveness is equally important to men and women. Further attractiveness tends to be a more important factor in our dating decisions than traits like personality personality, education, and intelligence. And here's what I think is this where it gets interesting. Physical attractiveness may be so important to us because we associate other positive qualities with a pleasing appearance. For example, attractive individuals are expected to be happier and to have a more rewarding life experience than unattractive individuals. This tendency to associate attractiveness with positive qualities occurs col- cross-culturally. And there's a, what, 1, 2, three, four, five studies that back that up too. You had some Thoughts about this within the world of like sales and that sort of thing, right?
1: Yeah. It's – I don't know where I got the data from. Uh But I do remember reading an article that said that salespeople who are physically attractive do better than salespeople who are not Mm -hmm. physically attractive.
0: Yeah. And I remember my old office. I had a window. Office and it was to the front of the building and there were uh, there was a dermatologist there was another doctor there and I remember you could see you could almost tell who the sales reps were that were coming and and I would notice it was typically younger both whether it was male or female very attractive very put together people that were there pulling their I don't know suitcases full of, mm-hmm. of goods to show so that seemed to anecdotally back that up yeah so this article in particular goes into a lot more of. Uh, Let's see. Oh, wait, there's one more on this one before we get to the other one. I thought this was interesting, too. Okay, it says, The research also review, reviewed above also suggests that most of us, consciously or not, view a moderate level of physical attractiveness as a necessity, while a higher level may be a luxury. So when we say that physical attractiveness is not important to us we are likely referring to the luxury of exceptional attractiveness and not in the necessity of a minimum level of attractiveness. And I think that even speaks to if people are saying, I really don't care at all. They're saying that actually data kind of shows that even a moderate amount of physical attractiveness is viewed as a necessity. And that can even go to our evolutionary biological need for, look, I don't want this person to die on me. I don't want to be the caretaker to this person. I think that it's kind of in our inner core as well. And then it goes into some stuff that I think is pretty funny where it talks about what is moderately attractive mean. Nathan got a kick out of I'm a little bit older than him. And the song, If You Want to Be Happy for the Rest of Your Life, uh, now I'm already forgetting the lyrics. People listening I right now, I'll never make a pretty woman your life. It says Anyway, oh, so, so it says from my personal point of view, get a, a, I think it says ugly. That sounds very mean. This song was in the 50s or 60s, Get an Ugly Girl to Marry You. We're not saying that. Of course. Okay, the second uh, article before we wrap this up is should you date out of your league? First of all, what does that that even mean to you? Cuz this one gets brought up in therapy a lot.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the word league is too mm. ambiguous mm-hmm. because it could be are you dating somebody who does better than you financially? Right. It is has is more stable that could be emotional stability financial stability yeah is it just attractiveness is it someone who and again that kind of gets into that that same question of are you even allowed to say this right but someone who is much more attractive than you are yeah right is that dating out of your league right and so I think all of those kind of Come into play, and
0: I think that's true. And I, it's funny because I will have people that will say, and again, as a therapist, you love exploring what they are their quote private experiences. Where there are people that have felt they they have their own insecurities, so they don't want to even think of anyone quote above them. So they are going to look for somebody that they feel like they are – gosh, it does sound funny to even say this out loud, right? Yeah. But I have people say that in in sessions all the time about people that are – maybe they don't have the degree that someone does or they don't even – they don't necessarily have the the fitness that another one does because they feel like I can't look for somebody that is greater than I am in those areas or else they're obviously going to want to leave me. I think is where that leads. And
1: and I think that's – I think that's correct. I think it's this, mm-hmm. if you date outside of your league, then you have to try, holder, or try harder to hold on to them yeah. than if they're in your league or if or you're in, out of their yeah, league. Or, or they're in the minor leagues when yes. you're in the major leagues. Yes.
0: Yeah. We probably could have gone with that analogy yeah. to start with. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Do you watch professional soccer? Yes. So it's the premier league versus some other things. I don't know what's below them. We could use the word relegate. Yeah. I think that's I a good know, one too. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll go through this one just really quick. It says, uh, this one is an article called, Should You Date Out of Your League? Again, from Psychology Today. This is from uh, 2016. It says, research reveals several pitfalls, one important exception. And it just talks about, do you have your eye on a potential partner? Do you believe that they are much more attractive than you are? If so, you may want to give your pursuit a second thought. A variety of research suggests that couples who do not match one another in their approximate levels of physical attractiveness tend to have less successful romantic relationships. So this kind of does gently work into your hypothesis where you want to get yourself in a position where you feel almost uh, at equal station with the potential partner. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. Our research suggests that partners who match one another in physical attractiveness to moderately attractive, highly attractive, or unattractive individuals are more likely to stay together over the long term than couples who are less similar in attractiveness. And again, we've got some nice research behind this. Although we generally find particularly good-looking individuals to be attractive, we also correctly, if not consciously, intuit that we will have a more successful relationship if our partner matches our own level of physical attractiveness. And I just thought I work with a lot of people with personality disorders and narcissism. That throws a monkey wrench in this whole thing. (laughs) I've had some people that are very confident in their appearance that may not quite be at the world's. The world might not agree. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Let's see. Oh, here it is. This this research is that article. When I was a child, my father used to sing us a song which went, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your life. Or never make a pretty woman your wife. Um, He said, my brothers and I thought this song was funny, so my father often sang it to us. With the lyrics in mind and the relevant research in hand, my colleagues and I examined this phenomenon ourselves. Wow, so that led to actually some research. That's fun. We investigated women's perceptions of their own physical attractiveness as well as perceptions of their partner's physical attractiveness and their self-reported levels of commitment and flirting and their thoughts about breaking up. We found that most women reported that they perceived their partners to be similar to themselves in levels of physical attractiveness or even slightly more attractive, potentially exhibiting partner enhancement or partner illusions. Uh, More important, women who view themselves as being more attractive than their partner reported being less committed to their current relationship.
1: That's deep. That is interesting. Right? Yes. Yeah.
0: So what does that say?
1: Well, I don't know because when I'm thinking – when I'm reading this, what I keep thinking is – When I see myself, I don't see myself as my overweight self. Okay, because I'm not used to that. Yeah, I think of myself as my fit self. Do you mind sharing? You were talking about being in the gym the other day, right? And you're You're like like killing it. You're on a machine. You're going to town, and then what? And then I just I'm done with the machine. I'm done with my workout. I get (laughs) up. I turn around, and of course, there's mirrors everywhere. And I look (laughs) over, and I'm just like. Oh my gosh, what's <laughs> happened? How did, I, how, did, how did I get to this point? it's like when you're on there, your neural pathways yeah, kicked in, yeah. you're, the, the habit center's like, we're back. Yes. And so for me, I think part of that is I could see how people who feel much more attractive than those they're with. Might not feel as committed into the relationship as weird as that sounds. You would think that people who are in a committed relationship would be committed. There right. wouldn't be levels of commitment right. per se. But I also think that ties into how people feel about themselves. Exactly. And so if someone feels like they're putting in all the effort into being better looking or being in shape or being more ambitious than mm-hmm. the other, then I think that could lead to a certain type of resentment. In the end with the partner, yeah. So, I, I could see some of that there. And you are that is now I jump back into my marriage
0: therapist world, and that I hear that one fairly often. And it's a difficult conversation, but when you have couples that are starting to there's a wedge there, they're starting to drive away from each other. You're the, especially the emotionally focused therapy modality that I love to use. You're basically you want somebody to be able to share, hey, here's my train of thought, and here's where I'm coming from. And and not that they're trying to do it to hurt the other person, but if they're not feeling as attached or committed, we want to address that.
1: And, and I think that kind of goes back to the hypothesis and the personal experience that I'm aiming for and the evidence. Not that I have an expectation of what the evidence is going to say, because evidence is evidence. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see what that's going to be. But I would hope that if I were in a relationship and the woman that I'm with thinks that she's significantly more attractive than i am that she would say something because i might expect that now being overweight but looking for somebody who's petite or physically fit i would expect that they would be better looking than me uh now but having that open and transparent conversation being honest and just saying hey you're not as fit as I would like you to be. I'd like you to go to the gym. I'd like you to get fit. I'd like you to match me and my physical attractiveness. Yeah. I'm totally open for that because I think that's part of the commitment, that emotional intimacy, the verbal intimacy, mm-hmm. emotional intimacy. And then I would want to do that for my partner as well. Yeah, and so that's where this is coming from. Which again, I, I can appreciate everything
0: that you're saying right now is you're saying, hey, I'm open to that. You're not saying, and I will then project onto you that here's what you need to do. You're saying, look, I, I get it. I'm the one that has the awareness. I want to be motivated. Yeah. Yeah. That Here's the exception. I will read this exception to the rule. It says, although most research shows that we tend to date others who we perceive as similar to us in physical attractiveness, recent research by Hunt et al. in 2015 does show one exception to this tendency. If couples begin dating soon after meeting, then they're more likely to match one another in attractiveness. But if couples have known each other for a long time before they begin dating, then they're less likely to match uh, one another in physical attractiveness. So if you have a long friendship before you begin dating, then physical attractiveness may be less important to relationship initiation or maintenance, which goes exactly to levels of intimacy. Yes. Where if you are your cube mate and you've developed years of verbal intimacy, you feel like I can talk to them about anything, it's most likely, I'm sure, escalated to some sharing of emotions and emotional intimacy. And so the romantic comedies of the 80s this is where then all of a sudden she took her hair out of the ponytail took her glasses off and all of a sudden she was beautiful yes. you've worked beside her for two years you had no idea yeah but then just the glasses off and all of a sudden oh my gosh Yeah. so yeah yeah so i don't i guess you don't have to have that part actually okay so we are going to we're going to wrap things up right now i guess when you hear this episode we will have already figured out the way to reach out to we're going to come and come up with some way to now, test this hypothesis. We want to float this hypothesis out here, and then we're going to come up with ways to test it to put you in touch with Nathan. If you're interested, if this is spoken to you, if you just want to be mean and rude, I will give you a separate email address <laughs> where you can contact, right? Yes. Um, but, uh, but I don't know. Any other kind of additional
1: follow-ups with, uh, with this part? Back to what you just said about the last part as far as the exception to the rule, knowing somebody and being friends with them. I, just like you said, I think that speaks exactly to the levels of intimacy, the, the verbal and emotional before getting to the physical. Yeah. I think if you get to the physical first, then yeah, attraction would make a huge difference. Yeah. Because you're, the physical attraction, the physical intimacy is tied together already. There's, there, you don't have that verbal or emotional intimacy as your foundation. Yeah. Which can impact how you feel about somebody physically oh yeah meaning there's emotions tied into just going back to my personal experience i've dated women who i wouldn't necessarily say when i first met them they were the most beautiful person that i've that i have seen yeah but after dating them and getting to know them and develop and building on the verbal and emotional intimacy even their flaws i found beautiful oh that's and, good and yeah. And not to say flaws and, like, a shame or guilt, right. but just there were things about them that in others I would have found as a flaw, and I thought it was cute. I believe my wife enjoys my snorting. Yeah.
0: I hope so. Yeah. So that would be the example maybe yeah. on ours. I, okay, now that I will say this, I, I wrote a few notes that I really wanted to make sure. Nathan, of course, knows there will be objections to his theory, including people saying that beauty is only skin deep. You should get to know somebody's personality and not judge them by the way they look. And that Nathan isn't disputing those statements. Almost like I'm doing the right the disclaimer. Yeah, the disclaimer. Uh, I should try that again. Nathan isn't disputing those statement sentiments, but Nathan does indeed have a type. And the goal is not to shame him for that type. No. I also, okay, you're incredibly self-aware. I've put some other cool stuff here. Oh, here we go okay we did talk about your theory there's also that part of where they look at the profile photo first before looking at the profile we talked about that but nathan is highly educated makes a very good living extremely well read very active and funny from my point of view has an incredible amount of self-awareness which is what led us to this experiment in the first place yes right okay so actually the the listener will now just hear a short pause and then we will be talking about how to reach out to you so i guess we're done for this point okay all right thank you nathan you're welcome okay thank you
1: Flying past our heads and out the other end.
0: The pressures of the daily grind, it's wonderful.
1: Elastic waste